All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. Official podcast of HockeyFights.com, the Nation Network, all that fun stuff. We are very, very happy you're here. It's a cold Monday morning, Tim. Oh, my goodness. Frigidly cold. Like, absolutely just subarctic temperatures here in Michigan. What about you? You're back. You're it's sunny. You probably wore shorts this morning on your daily jog. Is it just glorious there? <laughs> Not quite. It's about 40 degrees, but it'll it'll be like 55 this afternoon. So kind of chilly for this for these parts, but much warmer than what you're seeing, I bet. Oh, single digits. Single oh. digits and windy. It's just cold. It's very, very cold. And I get I get up early five-ish. I gotta re- restock the wood for the stove for the day before I leave. <laughs> and it is just when you when you step outside at 5 30 in the morning. And you're just not ready for that first gust of wind. It just cuts through you like a knife, hot knife through butter. But boy, it wakes you up real fast, real fast. I That's the one thing about when I, I had never experienced a warm winter until I moved down to Houston and played for the Arrows for those first few years of my career. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I would just like head to the rink in January in shorts, flip flops. It was great. By the pool in January and February, like down in beers with the guys playing cribbage, playing beanbags. It was like, it was, it was the best thing in the world coming off of college in Michigan tech, where you get 30 feet of snow every winter. So I could use a vacation right about now, but anyways, you have a good weekend. Uh, yeah, I was driving all weekend once again, um, from Michigan down to North Carolina in a U-Haul which is a little tougher than driving your car, but I did it fine. The first, it was actually much easier than the first time around. Um, partly cause I wasn't drinking the night before. So yeah, I hauled on uh Saturday. I went, I got down to Charleston, West Virginia, which is the capital of the, I never heard of it. Um, very small it, spread out city in the, in the Valley up in the mountains, uh, kind of nice. And then did the last four hours yesterday, you know, what's cool is uh, going through Virginia, like you go through like a not West Virginia, but the western part of Virginia and coming like basically coming down out of the mountains and this fog, this crazy, oh, yeah. crazy fog. Like and because it, it was like cold, but warming up fog, super windy. My visibility was about 20 feet. People were going really slow with blinkers on hazards on because it was just like you couldn't see anything. If, if you were going regular speed, you could easily hit somebody. And that lasted for a good 20 minutes, a half hour. So that was kind of a little scary, kind of cool. Um, but now I'm back with the rest of my stuff. And I spent most of last night just unpacking and organizing and still lots more to do. Yeah, that area is beautiful. We did the trip down to Florida last year or this year, last year, actually, technically. But the whole Virginia's and area, like I, I fell in love with West Virginia and the Smokies. Like, it's so pretty. And if you ever, I don't know, you've driven around, Tim, there's so many pretty places in this country where you just buzzing around. Like I've driven from Houston to Michigan and, you know, to California and back and all I I've driven pretty much all over this country. And there's a lot of just pretty sneaky, beautiful places that no one even knows about. I I've never driven where you've driven out to like Montana, Wyoming area. That's, that's the one thing I want to do. Cause I haven't done that yet, but 
like south and west and they're all really pretty i've never been to the northwest yet driving but that's on my list of things to do speaking of northwest i guess to southwest kind of the same area vander kane in the news he got waved him he's gone he is no longer a san jose shark well he is still on the team there's this kind of unknown area we're in now with evander kane because well i don't know give us the whole backstory if you can i know you, you know more than i do so what what happened this past weekend tim with what the whole Evander Kane situation. So here's what we know. Um, he was sent by the Sharks on unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating his contract. Um, that was the first thing that came out. All the regular guys, Frank and, and Dreger and those guys tweeted that out. And shortly after, the, the reasoning came out, which was that it, it was um, for breach of his NHL standard player contract and for violation of the AHL COVID-19 protocols. So it's, it seems a little bit vague, like I, I, the COVID protocols. I don't know. It seemed like they would, that's just context. That was just, they were waiting for a reason or they finally had a reason, whatever. Um, and unsurprisingly, no one claimed him. But what's interesting is that pretty much immediately, the NHOPA released a statement that said, we're aware of the Sharks' intent to terminate Evander's contract. We plan to challenge any such action by filing a grievance, um, which hasn't happened yet, but probably today. So I guess, you know, let's break that down first. What does that mean? Like, what do you expect the NHLPA to do here? So obviously the NHLPA was prepared for this. I'm guessing they thought the Sharks were going to terminate his contract based on his first COVID protocol where he submitted a false COVID card or whatever happened. And so they knew that the Sharks wanted to terminate his contract. Basically, what a grievance is, is they're fighting the Sharks' termination of his contract. They're saying, no, you owe him $23 million. That's a big chunk of money. You can't just terminate his contract and say, we don't owe you any more money and wash your hands of it. So the NHLPA, which they have to do, they're sticking up for Evander Kane. And this will be interesting. And we, we've seen this before. And this is a very tricky situation because... This was talked about in past CBAs where 10 teams find a reason to get rid of a player who they don't want on their team, who, who has an undesirable contract, who has overstayed their welcome, who isn't producing like they, they thought they were going to produce. And can they wait for them to slip up and be like, oh, you got a speeding ticket. We're, we're going to terminate your contract because you're not, you know, whatever the verbiage was, the, the moral clause in your contract, you're not living the way we want you to live outside of the rink. So it was, it was a pretty tricky situation. And this all stemmed from the Mike Richards situation when he was caught doing some seedy things. And I think it was the LA Kings terminated his contract and he still had a lot of time and a lot of term left on that deal. And so they went to arbitration and what they worked out was, okay, you know, Mike, you're in the wrong here. LA, you're in the wrong here. Let's kind of meet somewhere in the middle. We'll allow you to terminate his contract, but you're going to have to pay him. Mike Richard is still on the books for the LA Kings. They owe him money until 26, 27, I believe. So the LA Kings were able to get out from that salary, that cap hit every year, which was six, $7 million, maybe more. And they they spaced it out over 10 to 12 years. So that actually worked out well for the LA Kings and the players' fears going forward after that situation was, well, what if teams just use this as a weapon to kind of ease their cap cap hits where they, they have a player say a Milan Lucic or a James Neal or a guy, a Louis Erickson players who are just sucking the cap and they're not producing. It's like, what if teams just say, okay, well, Milan, you know, you drank too much at a team party. So we're going to terminate your contract and then we'll go to arbitration and we'll give you a high arbitration number, but we'll spread it out over 15 years. And so that was a big fear that the players had and the owners as well, because it, it goes both ways where the, you could end up paying dozens of guys and just terminate their contracts. And you're just paying out this money and perpetrating. Uh, whatever the word is, but so that was talked about. And now here we are again, I think there was an agreement between the players and the owners that this wouldn't happen. This wouldn't be a thing. And now it's rearing its ugly head here with Evander Kane. The sharks don't want Evander. Evander doesn't want to be in San Jose. They could not come to any terms to trade him. Obviously they probably talked to every team. He, he gave, they gave Evander's agent, talk to everybody, try to find a deal. We'll eat some of your contract. Nobody was biting. So the next step is we need to get this guy off the books Evander slipped up because he's an idiot and he takes a plane trip to Vancouver while he's supposed to be in quarantine for 10 days. That's the rules. You know, you got to stick by the rules. You get COVID. I don't care if it's right or wrong. 
you can't break the rules. And he flies to Vancouver for whatever reason, wants to go home. He gets caught. San Jose's jackpot. We got this guy. Let's terminate his contract. And now this is, this is where we are. The NHLPA says, no, this is not, you know, just to, to terminate a whole contract. Yes. You maybe can suspend them. Yes. You can find them, but you cannot terminate the contract based on this. They're going to go to arbitration. They're going to figure out a certain money amount that they're going to have to pay Evander Kane for the next 10 years. He'll be off the books and all will be right in the world. And Evander will be able to sign with any team. But until that day comes, until they can come to an agreement, Evander is still technically a part of the San Jose Sharks. So everyone who's all excited, Evander, he's cleared waivers. He's allowed to sign with anybody. It's like pump the brakes. We have to figure out this grievance first before he can go anywhere. Because if they do go to an arbitrator and they say, no, you cannot cancel his contract, he goes back to being a San Jose Sharks. So all the Bruins fans and the Oilers fans and the Calgary Flames fans were just like, we got to get this guy. Not yet. You have to wait. There's a lot of things that need to be sorted out yet with this whole situation, and it's going to take a long time. I still think he will not play a game in the NHL this year. I think this arbitration process will take a long time. Evander's going to want every dime of that contract because we know his financial history, and the Sharks aren't going to want to pay him because the Sharks are one of the cheaper teams in the league, and they're going to want to try to keep as much money as they can. So it'll be interesting what happens. This is, at the end of the day, a benefit for the San Jose Sharks. They're going to get rid of that. What does he make? Six, seven a year? Something they're going like to get that. rid of that yeah. $7 million a year off the books, which will help them because goodness knows they need some help in their uh, in their cap area. But uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting. What else are you hearing in San Jose? Um, well, the coach, what did you say? Buffner? Is that how you pronounce it? Buffner. Buffner. Um had an interesting comment. He was asked about it after the win. Thomas Hurdle had a hat trick, by the way. Um, and he was asked about the, the Kane news being, you know, providing closure for him and the rest of the team. And he responded with really something interesting. He said, I think we had that a long time ago. We decided, quote unquote, a while back to go with the guys they had on the roster, i.e. not Evander. Um, so they moved on. Like, like like we saw with the players when they were asked about it, like Hurdle and Pickles, those guys were asked about Kane. They were like, yeah, we're focused on what's happening here. Nothing nice to say. Nothing. Um, they wouldn't say anything that, unless they were asked. And they 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 moved on a long time ago. Gunnar said it. The players have said it. Um, so I think regardless of how this shakes out, even if, even if he wins some kind of arbitration deal, like I can't see him playing another game for the Sharks. Can you? Oh, no, no, no. He, he He's done with the Sharks. Even if the arbitrator comes back and says, you know what? You can't file this uh, San Jose. You can't terminate the contract. He will go down to the Barracuda and he'll play there for the rest of his career until they can trade. him. There's no way he plays another game for the San Jose Sharks. No way at all. What do you think is the most likely outcome of all this? How do you see this playing out if you were a betting man? I think it plays out like the Mike Richards situation where... An arbitrator, I keep saying arbitrator, it's like I'm beating this word to death, but someone's going to come in, figure out terms, they're both going to have to agree to it, and then they're just going to part ways. That's what. That's the logical thing that's going to happen. And Evander's going to sign somewhere, but March 21st, or there is a deadline that he has to sign by somewhere or sometime so he can play in the NHL and be on someone's playoff roster. I don't know the exact date, but I just don't see it happening. I don't see a team taking on this PR nightmare at this point, at this stage where, where he's literally gone into every locker room he's been in and just ruined it. He ruined Winnipeg. He ruined Atlanta. He ruined San Jose. I don't see a GM taking that risk unless you're like a bubble team and you need something to kind of come and jar the team, maybe in Edmonton, where he would come in and shake things up and just maybe be the the difference maker to spur that team to make a playoff run. But if, if you're a contending team, I don't see your GM taking this risk to add an Evander Kane to a really good situation because he could come in and just start rocking the boat, creating problems, and players don't need that. While you were talking, he was their leading scorer last year. He was their best player by far. He's physical. He he shoots the puck great. He dishes. He gets up and down the ice. Evander Kane is a great problem or a great player, but he's also a big problem. So skill goes only so far you have to be able to gel in a locker room you have to be able to mesh with the guys and if you don't i don't care how skilled you are you're not going to make it and evander kane thus far in his career has not shown that he can go into a locker room and just be a benefit or an asset to that room he goes in and he takes away from everything he makes life harder 
And gosh, if I'm a Bruin right now, do I want Kane walking into this locker room not knowing what I'm going to get? I don't think so. Maybe they can handle it because they have some veteran presence, but it would just, there's a lot of unknown. And it's like, you're going to have to invest a lot of money in this guy. Everybody's talking about how he's going to take a a league men deal. You know, he's going to come in and you're going to pay him 800 grand. I don't think so. I think he's going to want to make some decent money. He's obviously strapped for cash. He's got a lot of stuff going on. And I don't think Evander takes the risk this year and signs a prove it deal. If anything, if he doesn't get the kind of term and money that he wants, he's going to wait till next year, wait till the off season and sign a big ticket. Cause he is a very good hockey player and he'll sign a $4 million deal for five years. And he'll, he'll, he'll wait. He's not going to sign a $750,000 prorated deal where he only makes a couple hundred grand just to play for the playoffs for some team, potentially get injured, potentially not play very good and ruin his value. He played good with San Jose Barracuda, eight points in five games. Everyone knows what he did last year. He's, he's a needed commodity. So I just don't see him risking. And maybe he's, his pride gets in the way. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go on and try to win a Stanley cup and prove the San Jose Sharks wrong. But if I was a betting man, I would say he still doesn't play this year unless a team gives him pretty good money to to end the season. And that would be one to two million dollars for the rest of the season. That's just my guess. So you think a team could give him four or five years in the offseason? I think think, think they would. I don't think they want to, but I think that's what he will ask for and that's what he'll get. You know, he he has a long list of you know issues off the ice. If all, if all that gets sorted out and he has a quiet summer, there will be teams that will want a Vander Kane service. He's, he's a very good hockey player. And he, I don't know, I wouldn't do it, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of teams who will be knocking on his door and calling his agent, trying to get his, his attention. And he'll get four or five million bucks. That's, that's where I think he'll land. Whereas if he didn't have any of these issues, if he was just go on the ice, go home, lock yourself in your bedroom and then rinse, repeat, he would be making $8 million a year. So you're getting a deal, but you also, he's got a U-Haul worth of baggage, Tim. So it's just, he's going to go to a situation where the team takes a gamble on him. I don't see him going to a a very, very good team. He's going to go to a mediocre team that hopes that he can push them over the top. Like the Dallas Stars, potentially. Right, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're an interesting team too. Cause I was looking at their their playoff chances and you know, Klingberg's a name we we talked about all year long because he's a he's a um entering his free agent year, his, his final year of his contract. They just gave a boatload of money to Heiskanen. they gave a boatload of money to Elsa Lindell. And uh over the weekend there's a really interesting report that Klingberg requested a trade. Some of the big names brought it out there. And when he was asked about it, he said something along the lines of, well, that's not totally true. Um, but what he did say is that he, the contract talks for the Stars had gone really quiet. And he said, quote, for me as a player, I don't feel I was, like I've been appreciated. So this is really interesting because he's a guy who's already put up like 67 points in a single year as a defenseman. This is before really Heiskanen either was there or at least before Heiskanen was broke out. And now being pending UFA, he's got a large payday coming. Um, coming off the seven-year deal where he's probably underpaid, making 4.25. Um, the problem is he is not producing a ton like he used to, and he's really good in the power play. I mean, even if you watch him, there's, there's footage of him just, like, dancing on the blue line, embarrassing guys on the power play, which is just so good there. Um, his five-on-five production has dipped, and the defensive contributions are kind of, it's like, mm, is, he a, is he a liability? Maybe that's too strong a term, but he's certainly not a defensive defenseman. So, um, he's one of those, like, he's maybe a better version of Keith Yandel, uh, or maybe a younger version of Keith Yandel. Um, probably a little bit better. And, I, and I'm wondering now, like, what, is, what does that look like for him? The Stars are still in a playoff hunt, although it's not, look, I mean, not looking that great. Does he get traded? Who does he get traded for? What does he get traded for? And then what does that next contract look like? And that's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out. It's a smart move by the Dallas Stars GM. I... I really applaud Jim Neal by not just opening up the piggy bank and just doing whatever, what the other GMs did this off season, where they were just signing all of these deals to the defenseman and giving mega, mega dollars. Like it was, it was pretty amazing. The money that was being shipped out to these defensemen. So I applaud him for not panicking and saying, Oh, everybody wants defensemen. I got to resign Klingberg. He has a plan in place. He has invested into his defense. He give Heiskanen 8.45 a year. 
He gave Issa Lindell 5.8 a year. He brings in Ryan Suter and gives him 3.65 for the next four years. So I truly believe the plan is in place for him to walk away from Klingberg. I, I don't, he sees them day in and day out. He obviously has seen a regression in his play. His minutes have been chopped. He used to play 23, 24, 25 minutes a game. That's been dropped to 20, 21, which is still a lot of minutes, but he's not their go-to defenseman anymore. If, if they want to shut a team down or get some points, they put in Heisken and Lindell. So I think it's a very smart thing by Jim Nill, and you don't see that very often. I hope they trade him and get maximum value. The only issue is when you're on that playoff bubble, they went on that run two years ago. They made the Stanley Cup finals. Everybody was all jacked up. I hope that doesn't cloud his judgment to where he can say, well, maybe we could win the Stanley Cup. We've won a few games in a row. We have a good team. What if Sagan and Ben pick it up and all of a sudden we're just back to where we were and Radulov finds his form and Rup Hintz plays plays well and Gurionov starts finding the back of the net. I don't think he will. I think they're going to walk away from Klingberg. They had the same situation. I bring up Mike Richards again. They had the same situation with him a few years back where they gambled. They wanted to make a run in the playoffs. They were playing well, and Richards was going to be a UFA, and they ended up losing Richards in the offseason. So I think that little sting of not getting anything back from him is still there for the Dallas Stars. So the owner is going to want him to trade Klingberg, and the value for him is through the roof. If he is available, he jumps to the head of that trade bait board. He is head and shoulders better than any player on that list. You think of Ben Chariot's a good defenseman. You think all these other guys who they're uh, throwing out there. Klingberg puts those guys to shame. He does everything. I know you said he's a defensive liability. I think he's pretty good in his own end for the type of defenseman he is. He's an elite offensive defenseman. He would change any team's top two, top three defensemen, he would jump right in there and supplant somebody. He is a very, very good defenseman. But I like what Jim Neal's doing. Klingbert's 29 years old. He's played a lot of hockey in his career. He's not getting any younger. And we've seen what happens when you hitch your horse or your cart to a horse that's 29, 30 years old, and you give him a seven-year deal. San Jose Sharks, prime example. You see it in LA right now with Drew Doughty. You see with all these teams, I'm looking down the list, P.K. Subban still makes $9 million a year. There's a lot of bad contracts out there for defensemen, and there's no sign of them getting any better the older they get. So he will get his money. He will sign somewhere for big bucks. Klingberg next year will sign a deal with a seven in front of it. That I, I firmly believe that, if not more. So if I'm Jim Nill, I'm trading this guy right now for a first rounder and more and prospects, and I'm washing my hands of it. I'm like, I did a good job. I milked the best of his years out of him. He was an all-star player when he was there. He almost won a Norris with us, and I got maximum value for John Klingberg. And that's it. You shouldn't feel bad about this. The the whole idea of, well, you know, you gave him a, a pretty pretty good team-friendly deal the first time around. That's not my fault. That's not my fault. He signed for 4.25. That's his bad, man. I had some good foresight, and I got him locked up in 2015 and 16 to a good deal. And I'm, I'm just reaping the rewards of this. And now I'm going to trade him for a first rounder and a high prospect. And I drafted him in the fifth round. That's a pretty stinking good fifth rounder. If, if you ask me, so it's a win-win all around. Klingberg is a good defenseman. He'll get his money. He'll go play for a Stanley cup this, this season. Dallas will get rid of him. They'll get a good high draft pick and then they'll be able to move on and, you know, round out their forward core, which is aging. They need to do something there. They got to get rid of the contracts of Sagan and Ben, because like I said with Klingberg, you're hitching your cart to a horse that's not getting any younger. Jamie Ben's 32. He's got four more years left. Tyler Sagan's 29. He has one, two, three, four, five, six years left on his contract at $9.85 million. Tyler Sagan does. That's a bad contract. We don't talk about how bad that contract is. So I don't see him making the mistake of just adding Johan Klingberg to the list of bad contracts. Dallas Stars do have some good young players. But you got to get rid of Klingberg, and I like what Jim Knowles doing right now by not just kowtowing to this guy because he's, well, I want a contract now. I wanted one last year. We've been talking. I want my contract now. It's like, easy, bud. We'll get it figured out. We're going to take our time. We're going to see how you progress. And no offense to Klingberg, his play's been digressing. It's not been improving. It's not been holding steady. He's been getting a little bit worse. So ship him out, man. Greener pastures, Klingberg, go play somewhere else. Go to Boston. I always say Boston's going to get everybody. Well, they're not, but go somewhere else. Boston have some and success. 
that those are the two teams. Oh, they're linked to Toronto too. Like there's only three teams in the NHL who ever want to trade for a guy. But I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Do, or do you think they should like wrap him up for a couple more years? No, they should trade him. They 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 hitch their their heart to they hitch their cart to uh, Heiskanen, and Heiskanen is obviously a better defenseman all around. So and that's the right move. Nil, Nil has done well by this, like you said. My next question, you kind of already answered it, but do you think he gets a first round of a deadline? For oh, a without a doubt. Yeah. Even and a prospect. A rental? Even though he's a yes. rental. Well, he is. He is the highest upside rental there is. There is. Yeah. You know what you're getting from a Ben Sherat. You know what you're getting from those other guys. If you get a Klingberg, he can come in and be your best defenseman. There's not many teams that could throw out a guy who's better than a Klingberg. Like there's a few, a handful of teams, but you throw him on 16 teams, make the playoffs. 10 of those teams, he's going to be your best defenseman. You know, obviously the Colorado's got McCarr. If he goes to Toronto, he's your best defenseman. If he goes to Boston, uh, no, McAvoy, really? They're very, that's a very close. No, very, very close. But there's very few teams that I think would have a a defenseman better than uh, John Klingberg. I used to call him Johan. Why? I don't know. Swedish. There's how many Johns in Sweden? You made up a word a few minutes ago. I missed it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you say the things you do. Um, so you think the number for next year is somewhere in the seven or eight range? Yeah, I think he's getting seven plus. The article That's I a good read, deal I think on daily faceoff, so he's going to ask for nine. Whatever team's going to start with seven, he'll get the high seven, low eight, something like that. No, there you go. See, we agree. We align pretty well. Daily faceoff, check it out. But yeah, I think seven, eight. I think that's a good number for him. I think teams are going to be a little more gun shy now with what they give defensemen based off this last offseason because. As you know, all the defensemen have been playing really well that have gotten those deals, though. So I don't know. The cap's not getting any higher anytime soon. Like it really isn't. Everybody's got this imaginary thing in their head where all of a sudden all is going to be right in the world and the cap's just going to go back. It's going to be a hundred million dollars like we were projected to be at this time four years ago, three years ago. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. It's going to be stuck in the 82 to 85 range for. Uh, a few three, four, five years. So there's not going to be a lot of money to give out anymore. And what there is going to be able to give out is food. And then how I get my food, Tim, is through DoorDash. I love it. I absolutely love it. Anytime I'm hungry, I order DoorDash. I live in a tiny house on the top of a hill with a quarter mile long driveway that's not paved. And somehow, some way, DoorDash is able to find their way there. It's like, Little Red Riding Hood, and I'm grandma, and she's bringing me some apples, and I absolutely love it. Is that what Little Red Riding Hood brought, or did she bring loaves of bread? I don't know. I Maybe a pie. A pie? Who knows? But whatever I want, DoorDash brings it to me, whether it's a pie, whether it's apple, whether it's a loaf of bread. They will bring it to my door, and they'll do the same to you. And guess what? There's more. It gets better. You get 25% off. You get free delivery the first time you order when you use our <laughs> promo code. Dropping the gloves, exclusive deal here. I don't think anybody else in the world has this deal. Just dropping the gloves, promo code GLOVESDD if you're in O Canada, my Canada. GLOVESDD US if you're in OZA, USA. So check it out. Use our promo codes GLOVESDD if you're in Canada, GLOVESDD US if you're in the United States of America. Speaking of the USA, Tim, did you see who the Buffalo Bills are going to play in the playoffs? I sure did Saturday night. Oh, boy, it's going to be a bloodbath. Do you honestly think the Patriots have a chance? Oh, yeah. Come on. Which Wait, what bloodbath how? How do you? The Bills are going to crush them. Oh, I thought you meant the other way around. No, there's no way. They fooled them that one time by running the ball a million times. It's not going to happen. As George Bush, Bush said, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Yeah, you're not going to fool me twice. <laughs> so yeah, the Bills are ready. It's going to be a beatdown. They figured it out the second game. I think they beat them by a couple touchdowns. This third game is just going to be a shellacking. The Bills got the best defense in the league. Josh Allen scares me a little bit with his uh, accuracy, but I think he's going to figure it out. Their running game has kind of come around. The run defense is atrocious. It really is. It's last in the league. So if they can shut down Damian Harris and – they probably still got Danny Woodhead and Rex Burkhart and all those other guys who just catch passes and do whatever multi-tool. Shane Vereen. Yeah, all those guys. But it's very exciting. You don't usually see that three games in one season. It's kind of cool. Tiebreaker. I know. It's what's old is new again. Speaking of what's old is new again, David Krejci. You're Boston insider. You're wearing a Boston hat right now. Were you shocked by his comments this week? 
I was pretty surprised. Yeah. So he was um, interviewed with someone in the Czech Republic, one of those reporters over there in Czech. This is all translated. But um, before, I don't know you, he was... before you get into it. OK. How often do guys get in trouble by doing an interview in their native language? Uh, I feel like it happens with the Russians a lot, doesn't it? And the Swedes, right? Like the It Swedes, feels like it's yeah. just do you guys not know this is going to get picked up in North America? It's crazy. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so I don't know if he was asked about it or if he just volunteered this, but he touched on the fact, Krejci, that there's a lot of centers in Boston currently getting what he always longed for but never got, and that is having David Pasternak on his right wing on the second line. Uh, quote, Coach Cassidy rarely let the two of us play together, Krejci said. After years, I leave Boston and suddenly it's possible. That surprised me. Cassidy always told me that he had no reason to take pasta off the first line and that it would be as short as possible to dismantle the forces. I had to take it. But now pasta has five or so many or so many matches on the line with Taylor Hall and Eric Halla. Strange. That is really interesting. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, what do you think? Does I'm going to get your opinion on this because then I'm going to – I'm going to let loose, but what do you think of these comments? Do you, is it interesting that he's still keeping tabs on the Bruins? Do you think there's a, a possibility he comes back this year? What are what do you take away from this? You're a Bruins insider. You know that team backwards and forwards like the back of your hand. What do you uh, take from this? To both of those questions, yes. I think it's it's interesting that he's keeping an eye on stuff in Boston. That doesn't surprise me. And, yeah, he's always liked, liked Tuca, although not quite as strongly. There's always been rumors – about him coming back, um, whether it's this year, whether it's you know next year, um, the this, it's very easy for him to do that to to leave that league and come back in time with us, you know, by a certain deadline. And I, I think there's a chance he does. And I wonder if this is him maybe playing a little bit of politics, maybe planting that seed in Cassidy's head or or Cam Neely or whatever, saying like, hey, you know what? If I come back, I want Pasta on that line. I want to play between Pasta and Taylor Hall. And he's just letting those guys know you know, in its little subliminal message that this is what he expects. This is what it would take for him to come back. So I, I do think there's something here, um, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, do you not think this ruins that a little bit by him critiquing the head coach and giving him a little shot saying, Oh, he said he would never do this with me. And now look at, he's doing it with Eric Hall. It gets, gets Pasternak. Don't you, don't you get that kind of side of it where he, he's throwing a little shade towards Cassidy? I don't know, but listen to the, the second half of the quote. He says, I dare say that whenever we played together, it worked for us and it was useful for the team. Sometimes the coach put us on overtime or on four against four. The mutual chemistry was there right away. We scored goals. Now I'm just thinking that he could have taken pasta out first for me and everything could have looked different. Everything could have looked different. So now I don't know if he's, if it's a little bit of like Monday morning quarterback saying, Hey, you know what? If we had did this or that back in 2019, for example, against the Blues, maybe we would have won or maybe, you know, whatever. Um, or he's saying, you know what? Things could look different if I come back and you give me pasta on my right hand side. We produced every time we did it. I mean, not not to say that anyone playing with Pasta, with pasta is probably going to produce. Look at Eric Halla, but still, Krejci is a talented guy. He's a legit. He's a legit forward. He steps his game up in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I don't think this. I don't know if, if you're Cassidy or Neely. Do you get this? This piss you off? Well, I'll, I'll take the position of Krejci first, where he probably lobbied to play with Pasta for a long time. Um, he's probably brought that topic to Cassidy and Neely and he's been rebuffed every time in my that's that's what he's been saying they said it doesn't make any sense to put you guys together we're going to keep the perfection line together they just are too good to separate them and if if I'm him I'm like okay I'm going to leave I'm not going to get a chance to play with these guys I'm consistently playing with it's it's a turnstile of wingers who I play with every single year I've never had any kind of consistent wings to play with and it's frustrating so he's thinking that he leaves the team. Then all of a sudden he's checking box scores and he's like, what, what, what Poston Hall and Hall 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 and Posternak Poston Hall and Hall. What is going on here? Why is this happening? It would be frustrating for me to, to hear that and to see that. And so, yeah, I, I can see why he's venting because this was something that would never happen. Cassidy said that was the untouchable line. We're not allowed to break up that line. It will never happen. Stop asking me about it. You just take, take control of the second line. I look at it as this. Cassidy was 
he's giving him a compliment. That's the way I see it, where he's like, listen, this isn't going to happen because he knows Krejci is going to lock down that second line. He's good enough to produce in the second line, whereas maybe Hall is not good enough. Maybe they need some help. They have to break up the first line. That's the way I take it. Obviously, Krejci's frustrated. He wants to play with the premier player like uh, David Pasternak. I get that. I also take it this way. Stop complaining. Like, stop. We get you're frustrated. We get you don't like it. But to come out and to rehash things that happened years ago and to just try to just make this an issue, I don't, I don't like it. I think it's kind of childish. I just want him to come back or not. I, I, I don't know. Now you're causing disruption on this year's team. I, I think it's a bad idea. If he does want to come back to Boston, I think this is a bad way to go about it. I, I don't think this makes any sense for him. I just think he has hurt feelings that he didn't get to play with Boston Art. And, he, and it stings. He wants to play with that guy. And now Cassidy is going against his word that he told him. And yeah, when someone gives you their word, you expect them to live up to it. But times change. Obviously, the second line in Boston needed some help. And the only way to do that was to break up your perfection line. And they had to do it. And look, it's working. Pasta's been playing good. Taylor Hall's been putting up points. And Hall is a good fit with those guys. So I don't know. I don't think Krejci comes back this year, comes back this year. But he's obviously frustrated. And it just it's just a... Just be quiet. Just don't say anything. I get you're frustrated, but don't do an interview about it and just bring up all this bad energy in Boston because Boston could potentially be a player for the Stanley Cup this year. They're a good team. Once Rask comes back and ruins everything, that'll change. But it's, uh, I don't know. I don't like this. I don't like when players make a deal out of something that doesn't, like, that was last year. That was two years ago. It was three years ago. Move on. If you want to come back and play with Boston, not come back then. Come back and play. And then if you come back and he moves pasta back up to the first line, then maybe say something. Be like, well, hey, I, I thought I was going to jump in here and play with Hall and Pasternak. That's a pretty sweet line. And all of a sudden you're taking pasta back and I get Craig Smith. I don't like this line anymore. So, Although T- Taylor Hall is, is quite a great guy to have in your line as well. Like him alone, he he could drive a line in the right situation. But I was just got this talk. You know, you just said he's probably been lobbying this for this for years. I went back and looked in the last – four or five seasons that the guys that have played on Krejci's wing, when they kept that top line together, Krejci's like never really had it since the Lucic and Horton left in like, you know, 14, 15, something like that. They just haven't had anything really. Um, The the guys that he's had to play with Danton Heinen, Matt Bolesky, Craig Smith, Riley Smith, Jake DeBrusque, Lee Stempniak, David Backus, um, Anders Bjork, Brett Conley, Frank Fratrano. Like he has not gotten legit wingers on his line in like six or seven years. So I think I mean, we saw he connected with Hall last year, but I think, yeah, I, if I'm him, I'm frustrated by that too. And yeah, it probably just honestly, the, the most likely reason for all this is just an, a candid conversation, airing out some frustrations, not realizing or forgetting that this stuff gets picked up internationally, like we just said. And he's just like, venting his frustration like all of a sudden i leave and you can put pasta on the second line like that makes no sense i was stuck with jake debrusque and dan heinen so um I, I think i think most likely i don't think he's playing politics this is probably just all it is yeah he got triggered someone asked him a question hey did you see the second line in boston he's like I did. <laughs> no so i get it i get it i i hope he comes back if he comes back that changes the bruins chances dramatically but I, I don't think he will. I think he likes playing at home. All right. There was a pretty big game this week, pretty big potential Stanley Cup matchup with the Colorado Avalanche and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it lived up to the billing. It was a great game. Very exciting back and forth. Toronto really took it to him in the first period, and then after that, it was all Colorado. Like, it, it wasn't even close. Coming away from this game, there's a lot that went into it. What did, You watched the game. I watched the game. Everybody watched the game. It was, it was a must-see game. Abs come back. Toronto Maple Leafs, as they do, as they've done in the playoffs, they, they choked. They were up 4-1, to one, and then Colorado marched back, beat them 4-3 in overtime. There was a couple key plays in this game, and there's a lot to take away from this game. What did you think of the whole game as a whole? Was it a 4-3 overtime game, really? And talk about that, that overtime winning goal. What, what stood out to you, Tim, on that goal? So, yeah, it was a great game. Um, Kale McCarr's goal, like swinging around behind the net, coming back to the, the point in like 0.2 seconds, firing it through traffic was awesome. Um, love watching this guy play. And, and three to one, the Leafs. There was a great little thing on Instagram where Dan Hill posted about the Leafs blowing a three to one lead. And Milan Lucic commented, said, ever heard of that before or something like that, um, which you love. But then they came back, Avalanche came back. They were down four to one. 
came back one. Devin Tay scored in three on three in overtime. Did you watch that goal, John? Did you watch Matthews on that play? Did. Oh, he is floating like I don't know if he's at the end of his shift or whatever, but he is floating with a stick at his feet, not even trying to get in a lane, just sort of watching the play, skating generally towards the direction of the puck. With a drop pass to Tays at the point, he goes in and fires on the far side. Matthews barely doesn't even chase him. It was like. I, I hate generalizing because Matthews is a heck of a player, but like you you watch a play like that and you're like, there, there it is. That's why they haven't won a playoff round. That right there is why they have not had any success in the playoffs encapsulated in like a five second clip. And that's really what I took away from that. I've, I've been saying it for years. You will never win with a player with that. You cannot change someone's effort output ever, ever, ever. But then I'll ask you this. Can you ever imagine Nathan McKinnon to put in that much effort in that situation. Can you ever envision that or see Nathan McKinnon doing that? Uh, no, I think he, no. Puts, he puts it all out every shift. He would have done the smart thing by changing on the way up the ice. So he, he knew he wasn't going to be worn out when they came back down the ice in the defensive zone, or he would have been smarter. He wouldn't have gone out to the blue line and extended yourself. When you're three on three, you're supposed to limit the, the area for the dangerous scoring chances. He just floats out to the blue line and lets Colorado stretch him out. And then obviously he's not going to be able to get back. And he's uninterested in turning the right way. He turns the wrong way towards the guy going towards the center of the ice. He drops a Devin tapes, zero hard strides back to the net. None whatsoever. He looks like he hasn't, he hasn't conditioned in two years. Like, I don't know what you're doing. It's overtime, primetime television. You blew a three goal lead and you give that kind of effort. Devin tapes comes in and goes five hole and Jack Campbell. I just watched it again. His stick didn't touch the ice for that entire sequence. No, he's sucking air because he he probably went up the ice, left it all out there. He gassed himself out and he just glides back. The whole the whole D zone was uninterested. He's curving. He's not stopping and starting. If you're gassed, you stop in the house and you let the guy skate around. You you give up a perimeter shot. You don't let him come inside the house. He's just lollygagging. He's kind of two-on-one-ing one guy. He's up and around. It, it's a terrible defensive effort. And I'm, I'm telling you, he he's like that. McDavid's like that. That's why Toronto and Edmonton, I hate to say it, unless those guys change their ways, they're not going to win a Stanley Cup. It, it's just, it is what it is. We've seen it for too long, and it's it's not an aberration. This is a trend. These guys are like this. They like to give it all they got in the offensive end when it comes to defensive play in a crunch time situation. I'm not going to trust them. I'm not going to trust them. We've seen it. McDavid turned the puck over so many times in the playoffs last year and the year before Austin Matthews have never produced when it comes to down to crunch time. It's just, it is what it is. I, I would rather have a guy who produces half the amount that Matthews does, but I can trust him when the times come down to it. it it's just, I like Colorado. This game should have never gone to overtime. Toronto scored some pretty, I don't want to say ticky-tacky goals. They were good goals, but they didn't have really any sustained pressure all game. The Colorado Avalanche absolutely dominated this game right after Toronto went up 4-1. to They said, okay, enough is enough. We're going to click it up. They took Darcy Kempfer up. They put in, uh, what's that guy's name? The Boo, not Boo, Pavlov or whatever his name. They brought him in. And they worked the Toronto Maple Leafs for the next 40 minutes. They outshot them 49 to nothing, it seemed like. They had sustained pressure. Jack Campbell should win the Vesna. He is so incredibly good. He kept the Toronto Maple Leafs in that game. This game should have been 7-4. to four. He was that incredibly good. He made some highlight reel saves. He was under so much pressure. He has been so good for Toronto. He makes... Speaking of contracts, coming on a contract year, he is in a contract year this year. He's only making 1.25 or 1.65, excuse me. Will Toronto be able to afford him next year? I don't think so. Someone's going to get him. He's going to sign a, a contract with a four or five in front of it, I think. But he's he's playing so incredibly good. But I don't know. What I take away from this game, Colorado's really stinking good. They're really, really, really good. Toronto they have to fix a lot of their issues. Their defensive zone is awful. Hall turns the puck over like it's going out of style. Their star forwards don't have any idea what to do on your back end. They have a lot of issues that they need to clean up because if you don't have Jack Campbell, this is a very, very lopsided game. They have, they have so many issues. Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin are really bad 3-4. 
they were really bad this game. They're turning the puck over. They're lost in their own zone. They do nothing for you offensively. Sandin and Dermott have a little bit of offensive upside, but they're not much better. It's it's not looking good for Toronto when you're going into the playoffs and you have to play these types and this caliber of team. Yes, you have a high-octane offense. You can score with the best of them. Guess what? In the playoffs, that, that stuff don't fly, man. you got to buckle down on the back end, and you got to win these gritty games. And Toronto has proven year in and year out, not, not night in and night out, year in and year out that they cannot do that, no matter who they bring in. Bring in Kyle Clifford, Nick Ritchie, Wayne Simmons, all the grit. They can't win these games. And they, they you know, a, a, what is it? A leopard can't change his spots or whatever it is. Toronto's the same team they've always been. And they gave up their most physical forward and they sipped him off to Edmonton. So you tell me what's going to happen in the playoffs. Nothing different. Now, they didn't have Mitch Marner in this game. So do with that what you will. Um, but I do want to point out that Alex Kerfoot played in the top line with um, Bunting and Matthews. He had a goal and two assists, and he's had eight points in his last three games. This is after we called him the most underrated player on the team a few days ago. So good pick by me on that one. I like Kerfoot. That was a good trade for both teams. Yep. Kadri, Kerfoot, draft pick. I think they both worked out. Barry. Barry. And Tyson Barry. But yeah, Barry. talk about it up. Like, Kadri's going to get a big deal too next year. He's up. His contract's up. He's got 44 points this year. Yeah, like fourth, fourth and lead. The guy's flying. All right, let's do some quick hits. Mark Andre Fleury cried. Did you see that? A little baby. No. no. Yeah. Um, he, uh, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, just he, he returned to Vegas, right? And he got the, yeah. he got the start against Laner. And he cried like a baby because they did a tribute for him. Mm, there's something on the Jumbotron. Mm. I'm just teasing. It's very sweet. Good for him. It, do you think they're getting a little out of hand with these tributes? He was only there for a few years. Like I, I get it. He was their backup for the better part of a year and a half, and they're giving him this big tribute. Like I understand, uh, kind of. They're a young franchise, but you know, let's let's be realistic here. He spent more time in Pittsburgh. He he, he didn't spend a long time in Vegas. Like, uh, don't you think it's a little bit much? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to understate what he meant to that city, though. One of the players, I forget if it was Reeves or someone else, said something along the lines of Flurry built that city." is what he said. And what, what he means by that is like, he was the reason the hockey was so popular so quickly in Vegas. So I, I get that. Um, but no, I, I think, I don't know. I, I have a hard time saying Flurry doesn't deserve everything that he gets. Cause it's just his, his performance on the ice, everything you read about him, he's a heck of a guy. So I'm fine with that. What do you think of him crying before the game? I don't know. I mean, yeah. Didn't, did you tear up at the all-star game? All that attention on you, the spotlight? No. Uh, <laughs> Another cool stat. He's the only goaltender now to beat 32 different teams. That's pretty cool. Because there was never 32 teams before. That's Isn't right. that neat? Isn't that neat? Good for Flurry. Will he get dealt at the deadline? That'll be something to watch because there's a lot of teams who could use an upgrade, you know, on the on the back end between the pipes. And he would be a very big upgrade for a lot of teams. Edmonton Oilers, Boston Edmonton. Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Boston's going to get all the goalies. All right, uh, a couple more quick hits. Kaprizov, after that vicious hit, goes to the IR, no timeline yet. How big of an issue is this for the Montreal or the Minnesota Wild? Does this affect their, their playoff push, or have they already got a decent enough, enough lead, Tim, a nice cushion where they can kind of let him heal correctly? I think they can let him heal. I mean, obviously, this is something to watch. They are currently in a wild card spot. So it's not like they have a ton of cushion, but they've got five points off the, the, the shark. So they're, they're, they'll be fine. Um, but it is going to be interesting to watch because right now, no timetable. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily a long one. It just means they don't really know yet. It's an upper body injury, probably something with the shoulder, if I were to guess. Um, hopefully, it's on the shorter end of that and he can come back you know, next week or something. But this is definitely a loss for them, for sure. Yeah, agreed. Another tidbit. Mark Bergeron somehow fi- like jumps in the poop house and comes out smelling like roses. He's named a senior advisor to the Kings general manager, whatever, whatever that means. This is the definition of old boys club is this. He's got a buddy with the LA Kings and he's like, hey, he loves LA. Mark Bergeron loves himself some sun and fancy suits and like live in that kind of lifestyle. So he's like, I you know, make me a senior advisor. Give me a hundred grand. I'll come and talk with the GM and have a couple beers with them. Like that's what does a senior advisor to the GM mean? I, can you break that down? I don't know what that means. It means he's making probably high six figures, just like helping. Yeah, it's a boys club. It's just like like you said before. Once you once you get that role one time, 
you are set for life because you're going to keep getting jobs that are made up just for you, like senior advisor to the GM. Like it's, 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 it's it, nothing. It does, so like, what is it? I thought the general manager makes all the decisions on player personnel. Now all of a sudden he needs a senior advisor. Is there a junior advisor? Like what? It, it just makes no sense to me. This is a made up position. Someone's a buddy of Mark Bergevin and they want to just have a golfing buddy in LA. It's so it's insane. And honestly, who's the GM in LA right now? Riddle me this, Batman. Who's the GM? I'm going to pull it up right now. Do you know what, Tim? Find it quick. Maybe no. he has a, a link. It is Rob Blake. Rob Blake. Rob Blake. Oh, he's probably played with Bergevin along the way. That's it. This makes Come me hang sick. out. We'll have a couple of beers. Makes I got some sick. Beer, a fridge in my office. I can't wait till one of my buddies gets to be a GM. I'm going to text him. Be like, hey, bro, you need a scout <laughs> based out of Traverse City? I'll do nothing. Give me 75 grand. And they'll do it because like who? Brian Bickle or when Johnny Taves becomes a GM. Oh, better believe I'm shooting him a text. I'll handle the Northern Michigan scouting. I'll go to Traverse City. And then once a year, I'll go to Petoskey. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's the only area I'm covering. I'll take 75,000. Thank you. Thank you. And he will, because he's a good guy. It's an old boys club. Uh, I'll do a nice big report. PowerPoint. Worldwide. 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 Wide, prestige. Wide, wide. Prestige. Worldwide. <laughs> Investors. Possibly you. You know what you could invest in, Tim? Points bet on some gambling. Pretty much easy money. Who do you got, Tim, today? The game I have my eye on tonight is the Rangers and the LA Kings Stanley Cup rematch. I'm picking. Well, here's the thing. Uh, right now, it's saying that Panarin could return tonight. Not official, but they're saying it's likely. And I'm going to say I'm going to say that yes, he's going to play, and the, and the Rangers are going to win this game. I'm picking them minus one ten over the LA Kings. I like that. I I always like the New York Rangers. I honestly, truly believe, and this will be the kiss of death for the New York Rangers. They're going to make a big. They're going to make a big move at the deadline and bring in a big piece. I don't know what that piece is just yet, and they're going to they're going to win the Stanley Cup. First time since 1994. I like myself some New York Rangers. They're a good, good team. They got a Vesna candidate goaltender. They got a Norris candidate defenseman. They got a Hart Trophy on the front end when he's on the ice, not in COVID protocol or dealing with Russia. They have all of the keys to winning a championship. I like the New York Rangers. They're going to go out and they're going to make a splash at the deadline. Deadline's March 21st, I think. Look out for the Rangers if you're in the East. They are very good. I like them. I picked them two years ago to win it. I was a couple years too early. I was ahead of the times, Tim. All right, everybody. That's enough for me today. It's time. You got anything else, Tim? No, no, I'll go start my Monday. All right. I hope everybody again had a good weekend. Get out there, make a difference. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Drop us a five-star review wherever you listen. It really honestly does help the show a little bit. So uh, do that. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.